We're doing a, a study on Wednesday night on the books of, book of Ephesians. There's just one. One book of Ephesians and the chapters therein. And we've been just going down. Not doing everything, but uh, we're in chapter number um, uh, five. And we're going to start... Um, so we started in verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. And I think that's as far as we got um, lesson number one on this. And if you haven't watched that, um, it's just be, there's parts of it that are kind of amusing and fun to just watch. So um, you should get a hold of that. And then we begin to look at the rest of this. Um, therefore, as the church, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let wives be subject unto their own husbands in everything. And then husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Do you have anything you want to say yet? Just jump in there anytime you want to. Like first time. All right. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. We're going to talk about husbands loving their wives. One of the things about this is, number one, it doesn't say women submit to men. It doesn't say women are inferior. If you weren't here for week one, you should really get that. There was a lot of revelation about that, how God has really created us to be equal. And, you know, but because he wanted order in the home, somebody has to be in charge. We heard when we were in Bible school, Pastor Rhonda says this all the time when she teaches this, anything with two heads is a freak. The deal is here, you know, and I don't know where you came from, other churches. I don't believe in co-pastoring. I'm the pastor. We pastor together, but I'm the pastor. And she has a ministry gift, and she's strong, and I have other pastors. But you, you can't, uh, how many know God the Father is in charge? He set some things in order. It doesn't mean even like in the home, though, that the husband is better than the wife. So a lot of times the husband ain't even as smart as the wife, as you just heard my ain't in there. Um, it, it's not about that. It's about God setting order. And then remember, just for review, he asked, asked the wives as a favor to him to submit to their own husbands. A husband can never, a husband should not be concerned with the wife submitting. That's only something a wife can do. A husband can't make her submit like God doesn't make you submit. It's a free will, a free choice. Right? You, you, have to, he, you can't pray a prayer. Well, Lord, uh, I ask you to make so-and-so submit to you. That's a worthless prayer. Because God can't make anybody submit. He's not a dictator. The, the devil's the one who's the authoritarian. God wants us to love him out of our own free will. Right? And so it's, it's up to you, wife, to submit to your husband. Husbands, your, your job is to make the environment. So I've had husbands come to me and say, Pastor Mark, can you uh, make my wife submit? No. And you can't either. Quit trying. That's not your job. Your job then is, as a husband, is to love her. Like Christ loves the church, and we went through all those kind of loves. If you really loved your wife the way Christ loved the church, she would have no trouble submitting to you. And again, submission is not agreement. And in most of your married life, you're going to be mostly more in agreement, or you wouldn't have got together. 
and I don't have time to go anywhere else than that. I wasn't going to go through this, but it seemed like we should. Um, so, so you're mostly going to be in agreement. And there should be very few times where you're, if you're going crosswise, the husband has to make a decision. And then the wife, she's submitted. I have people tell me all the time this. Pastor Mark, we're submitted to you. We're submitted to you. We're submitted to you. And then we do something they don't like. And, you know, the color, they don't like the color of the carpet. I had someone leave because they didn't like the brown walls. And, and, you know, I'm submitted to you. I'm submitted to you. But until you change those brown walls, I can't be in here. It's, it's like a cave. I got to go. I'm like, we'll see you. And so, uh, but they said they're submitted. They're not submitted. They're in agreement. You don't have a choice. You don't get a chance to submit until you disagree. And ladies, don't let that freak you out. <clears throat> because honestly, in 28 years of marriage, we'll be married 28 years very soon. In 28 years of marriage, I think there may have been one or two times when I have said to him, we, we, we talk until we come to agreement usually. Um, and, uh, but if we can't, there's been maybe, maybe two or three times in 28 years that he has had to make a decision that I was not in agreement with. And I've had to say to him, okay, I'll go with you if you're absolutely certain that's right. Um, I, I, and and I, I don't remember the three of them, and I, I probably came out wrong. Anyway, so, uh, um, <laughs> but, 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 and that's true, and it's true. Most of the time we talk till we come the to The Bible, agreement. remember we talked about it, Proverbs 31, godly counsel is on her tongue. So a husband would be foolish not to listen to his wife. God gave you her. She is your chief counselor besides the Holy Ghost. She thinks different than you. On purpose. God did that on purpose. On purpose. And so, and the two of you are one flesh. And the two of you became one flesh that's not, the two of us did not become Mark, and the two of us did not become Rhonda. We're one flesh. But the, the Lord has set some things up. But I wanted to talk to the fellas. Now, this is what happens with me. I usually take the man's side, and I talk to the men. And if your man's not here, I mean, I know you would want him to get this tape, get this. Oh, we don't even do tapes and CDs hardly anymore. You would want him. You're going to download this on his uh, playlist or whatever. And you, how did that get there? I don't know. Um, but, but he's not here if he's not here. But if you are here, men, listen to me. Um, we have, in my opinion, the harder part. Um, the Lord... In 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, like 1 Peter 3, 7, we're going to do King James. Then we're going to do a number of translations So who's ever up there. I didn't give you any notes, but 1 Peter 3, 7, King James. Likewise, husbands. So who's he talking to? Husbands. Is he talking to the wives? He said, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered and cut off. So we're going to the bottom, and then we're going to go back to the top. Listen to me, fellas. The Lord is serious about how you treat his daughters. He really is. And he has put a safety mechanism in the word. Because as a husband, if you don't treat her right, throw up the Amplified Classic. Amplified Classic. Let's look at the bottom part of it. Amplified Classic. There you go. Don't you like it? It says... Honoring the woman as the physically weaker, but realizing that you are joint heirs. Everybody say joint heirs. Joint heirs. Of the grace, God's unmerited favor of life. In order that, he's talking to the fellas, the husbands, in order that your prayers may not be hindered or completely cut off. You'll not be, if you mistreat God's daughter, the apple of his eye, your prayers will be cut off. Oh, I don't believe that. I don't care if you believe it or not. It's right there. 
It's going to work whether you believe it or not. This is not one you have to believe that you receive. He is saying as a man, as a husband, that if you don't want your prayers hindered or cut off, you better treat her right. You better do her right because that's my daughter. That's my daughter. And, you know, um, it would be in your best interest as a man, the head of your home, that your prayers not be hindered and not cut off. Because it does affect the family. But I think it has more to do with, um, this is my uh, uh, interpretation, because it goes on down in verse 12. Remember it talks about the eyes of the Lord roaming to and fro to show himself strong. Uh, um, Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and its ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That is a continuation of he's still talking to husband and wives. People pull that out of context, but he's still talking to husband and wife. Because in verse 8, it says, finally. So finally to who? Husbands and wives. Finally. Who's he talking to? Husbands and wives. He's still talking to husbands and wives. And so he picks up on that in verse 12 again. He says, for the eyes of the Lord. Now, we love that one, don't we? The eyes of the Lord are over, roaming to and fro over the whole earth. Glory to God. um, And his ear are open to the prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. I believe he's talking about husbands, even if you're righteous. Yes, the the righteous prayers of a a man or a woman makes tremendous power available in their dynamic and their working. And there's a lot of reasons. And I want to tell you something that a lot of people in our circle, a lot of people of word people don't understand. They look at people and they hear them confess the right things and say hallelujah and run around the room and do everything. They pop the clutch at the right time. And then they wonder, why is this not working in their lives? Now, aren't you grateful the Lord doesn't do a line and we get to prophesy over people and say, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. How many you know the Lord's working on us all? But there are some things behind the scenes that you don't see and you don't know, but become very apparent in people's lives. There are a reason you know, people, because see, if you hear them confess the right thing and, and looks like they're doing the right thing, but it's not working for them, there are, there are reasons. But the Lord, the secret things belong to the Lord. Aren't you glad he doesn't rat you out all the time? But l- make no mistake about it. The word always works. But this verse works too. This verse works too. Are we still having fun even from the, y'all? We love, y'all love the first Wednesday night, right? But this is getting pretty meaty. This is getting pretty meaty, right? But the husbands, though, if you'll do it right then, if I'll take care of her, if you'll take care of your wife, if you'll love her like the Lord loves you, then his eyes are on you. And he's like, boy." I remember, this is, this is ministry stuff, I know you're holding, hallelujah, but I remember when, because when, she's going on a trip, I'm reminded of it. When we first were getting married, the Lord spoke, she said something to me, but the Lord spoke to me. And she said this to me. She said, I'm submitting my ministry to you. Do with it what you will. And the Lord spoke to me and said, and you better do with it really good. (laughs) I'm responsible for what happens. And as a husband, maybe yours is not ministry. But maybe your wife has a business on her heart. And it's really God. Then you as a husband do everything in your power to help make that dream come true. 
She has a career. Maybe she didn't get to finish college. And yet there's a career. Because we're not just having a secular life and a secular a sacred sacred life and a secular life. We got one. And if that's part of her call to, to do something and she didn't get to finish college because you all start popping out babies. And she wants to go back to college and it's part of her dream. Then you do everything in your power to make that dream come to pass. As a husband. Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all with me? Y'all good? Husbands, are, are you listening up? Hey, I, I don't want my prayers to be hindered. I want the eyes of the Lord on me. And I want him to do right by me. I don't want a stiff arm from God. Amen. Amen. And if a semi is hurtling at you in traffic, you may not have time for a whole big repent session. So you want your prayers to be heard. Uh, Malachi chapter 2. It's more along the same lines. Go. Um, okay. Uh, verse 11. Malachi 2, 11. Uh, do it in the Amplified Classic if when you get it up. Malachi 2, 11. Oh, gosh, it's so many words. Judah has been faithless and dealt treacherously, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem for Judah, that is Jewish men, has profaned the holy sanctuary of the Lord which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign god, having divorced his Jewish wife. Verse 12. The Lord will cast out of the tents of Jacob to the last man those who do this evil thing. The master and the servant are the people alike, even he who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. Verse 13. And this you do with double guilt. You cover, of the alt, you cover the altar of the Lord with tears, shed by your unoffending wives, divorced by you that you might take heathen wives. And with your own weeping and crying out because the Lord does not regard your offering anymore or accept it with favor at your hand. Whoa. Verse 14. And you ask, why does he reject us? Listen to this. Because the Lord was witness to the covenant made at your marriage between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously and to whom you were faithless. Yet she is your companion and the wife of your covenant made by your marriage vows. Listen, when you get married, you're standing at the altar making a vow before God. That ought to count for something. We ought not have starter marriages like we have starter homes. You know, it's not exactly what I want, but it'll do until I find what I really want. You know, that is actually a trend right now. Uh, God don't play that game. He was witness at the covenant made at your marriage. Verse 15. And did not God make you and your wife one flesh? And did not, did not one make you and preserve your spirit alive? And why did God make you two one? Because he sought a godly offspring from your union. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and let no one deal treacherously and be faithless to the wife of his youth. And he goes on and on. But I, I wanted to give you just this real quick example. You know, we had a young couple who came to the church. And uh, uh, they, I don't know that he was born again much before they got here. Um, she had been, she had grown up in church, but anyway, uh, he was doing well, serving the Lord after God with all of his heart and his business prospered tremendously. Seemed like he was a golden boy. Everything he touched turned to gold. Uh, and he, you know, came up through the ranks of the church, was in leadership here at Cornerstone. And one week he lost his flipping mind and he left his wife, went off with some heathen woman, uh, and you know what, uh, long story, but, but she believed him back in. But you know what, his business tanked, tanked. And even after they got back together, his business was tanked. 
And uh, so Mark and I were praying for him one night. And the Lord said he mistook the blessing and favor of God on his life for his own business ability. And when my favor on him was lifted, now he sees his own ability. Selah. Selah. Okay, where are we at? <laughs> First Peter 3, 7. Let's look at that. Let's go back upwards then. So let's do this uh, New Living Translation. 1 Peter 3, 7, yeah. 1 Peter 3, 7, New Living Translation. So we're talking about husbands, love your wives. And then it says, in the same way you husbands must honor your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. And I want to look at this in the message. Can you put it up in the message? I know whoever's working with it, your fingers are working. And I don't know how you do all you do up there. I like but God the bless line, you. Hallelujah. We'll go back yeah. to it. The same goes for you husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages, but in new life of God's grace, you're equals. Treat your wives then as equals, and your prayers don't run aground. I like that one, but that's not what I was looking for. Uh, new Living Translation, back to that one again. I must have. Where I want it, must In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. She's equal, right? Treat her as you should, should so your prayers will not be hindered. So I was going to talk to you about this. It says to husbands to dwell with your, not, your wives in King James Version. Put that up. King James Version says dwell with your lives, uh, your wives uh, um, according to knowledge. What does that mean? So I'm supposed to get to know her, but I believe you can also take it the other way. She should get to know me. So I was just, you know, preparing for this, and the Holy Ghost had me bring this up. And if you've been here a while, you've heard this story, and I told the Lord that, but he's still going to make me tell it. And I don't really want to tell it because it makes me look bad. Um, but it will help you all. So uh, we weren't married very long. And, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Rhonda is, um, 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 she can be assertive. Um, direct. And very direct. And um, she, no, not mean, not nasty, always nice, but, you know, matter of fact, this is what needs to be done. We'll do it. Don't ask me to tell you the truth if you really don't want to hear it. <laughs> so that's the kind of woman I married. And so we're just kind of learning to dwell with each other. And so um, we lived in an apartment. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's the same as now. Like uh, tomorrow at my house is trash day. So I take out, that is one of my duties, I take out the trash. Um, you know, she does other stuff more than me, but I take out the trash. It is my job. If it doesn't get taken out, it's probably not going to get taken out. And so I do it. But when we first got married, I wasn't good at remembering to take out the trash. So it would begin, you know, and you miss it, what happens? It just piles up. And so she would say this to me the night, and I think it was still the same day. I think it was when we got home from church. I don't remember. But she would say, uh, you need to take out the trash. <laughs> and that's what she said. You need to take out the trash. And so it did that to me. <laughs> And about the second or third week when it was really doing that to me, I looked at her and said, um, I have a mother and you're not her. And then I had to back it up. I had to be thinking, now what? And then, I, then we began to talk about it. And she, she's like, I don't mean anything by it. It's, you got to take the trash out. I'm like, yeah, so let's figure this out. I had a problem. Um, 
when she began to tell me what to do, it irritated me. It just flat made me mad. And so, but I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. Should I be more grown than that? Yeah. Um, but I wasn't. And so she had to begin to dwell with me according to knowledge. So she said this, what can I do? And I said, form it in a question. Did you remember that this is trash night? Did you take out the trash? Even maybe sweeten it up a little bit. And the deal is this. How many know it's the same thing? How many know it's the same exact thing? Isn't it? Take out the trash. <laughs> That's my job. I agreed to it. Take it out. Shouldn't have to have a bunch of flowers on it. But I needed something because it was irritating me. Y'all, I'll be real honest. It wasn't irritating me a little bit. It was irritating me. And my pop-off should tell you when I said to her, you're not my mom. Don't boss me around. Um, ladies, as men who are grown, we do not like to be bossed around. Figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. Now, they won't raise their hand, but I heard a lot of amens on the inside. I heard them. I heard preach on, Pastor. That's what I heard. So you got to figure it out. She had to dwell with me according to knowledge. And she began to, and I'll be real honest, we've been here 27, 28? Almost 28 years. Almost 28 this November. And she still asked me questions. And sometimes just, I don't need it anymore. I we really just don't. giggle because we both know what I'm doing. So, so we, it's just a joke. Even at the beginning, I knew what she was doing. I asked her to do it. Can you do it this way? It's the same, same. I know I should be grown up. But when I heard it, it made me mad. So, so she needed to, we needed to talk to figure out how to not make me mad over something I ought to do. She helped me. She helped me. That's what we're here for. Dwell with each other according to knowledge. Listen, y'all, some of you have been, if you've been married six months, you know how to tick each other off. It don't take long. But work on the other thing of how can I avoid that tick, you know what I mean? Make each other mad. Make each other angry. You know what buttons to push. But avoid those and figure out how to work with one another. The two of you are one. And if she needed to do that, for me for a time. And there was times at the very beginning that she wasn't good at it because she wasn't always used to it. But I would just say, was that a question? And we'd make a joke out of it. And then I, I tell this, this is funny too, but uh, my first hire was her mom, Melba. And I felt, I found out where that apple she came from. She was our from. first secretary. Yeah. <laughs> I found out what tree that fell from. Because that woman did the same thing to me. I'd walk into my office and she'd say, Pastor, today you need to do this, this, and this. And I looked at her and I said, uh-huh, right. And so I said, but I'm your boss. You are not my boss. And so I had to teach her how to do the same thing. So then it became a family joke. And, but everybody made Pastor Mark happy. Should he grow up? He did. But he wasn't grown then. And I needed it that way. And so we work with one another. Find out what each of you need. Don't just, don't just say, you just need to quit that. Or what. Find, how, how do you help one another? How do you dwell with each other according to knowledge? And we had to learn how to work with each other in general. 
He does, he's had to learn not to give me something um, that might trouble me before I try to go to sleep. <laughs> I'm up all night if he does. My brain works on it. Once my brain gets going on something, it is over. And then what happens is I've been working on it all night. So the moment his eyes pop open in the morning, I've got the answer. <laughs> and he's like, don't talk to me this early. I can't even think yet. So I don't talk to him about, you know, stuff that might... Uh, important stuff that might upset him or he might have to chew on for a while in the morning and he doesn't do it to me at night. So we have afternoons and evenings, early <laughs> evenings that we can share things that need to be shared. But, but we you, have to learn each you other. You have to find out each other. You know, um, there are times, where do, what scripture do you use to talk about the house plant? Uh, actually, it's, it's 1 Peter 3.1. 1 Peter 3.1. Uh-huh, this what very version? same. I probably amplified classic. Let's see. First Peter 3, 1 Peter 3.1. So read this, and we'll talk about it, then you talk about it, because it comes up. In like manner, you married women, be submissive to your own husbands, subordinate yourselves as being secondary to and dependent on them, and adapt yourselves to them, so that even if any do not obey the word of God, they may be won over, not by discussion, but by the godly lives of their wives. I think one of the things that you can take over is that if you've, you, listen, you can, Especially if two people aren't equally participating in a marriage. You know what I mean by that? And really, there's, it's kind of out of your control. It's obviously best when two people are equally participating. But maybe somebody in the room doesn't have that. What can you do? Well, you can do this verse um, about giving them, is what I was talking about, trying to figure out what they need. And even if they don't know, how many you know that sometimes we don't even know what we need? But you know who does know? The Holy Ghost. He does know. And so, and he won't overwhelm you. Lord, give me one thing that I can do to bless my spouse. Give me one thing I can do to bless her. She can pray. Give me one thing to bless. You know, I'm so grateful. You know, when we first came together, we were, uh, we didn't, I don't know what we did. We kind of dated, but we really didn't. She moved up here and she stayed with one of our board members and uh, we'd met and got married very quickly, but the, she asked the Lord, give me, um, tell me th these things, what he needs. Yeah, I said, I don't Lord, know that I want you to go over what I needed, but okay, you can. Okay, I won't tell. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it happened so quickly and, you know, I, I wasn't ever planning to be married. Y'all know my story. I wasn't ever planning to be married. I was going to win India for Christ and stay single. But anyway, um, the Lord asked me to marry him and I'm like, well then Lord, you're going to have to help me. Cause I don't even know what this man needs. What does a man need? I don't know. Uh, and so I asked him, Lord, give me his three greatest needs. Give me his three greatest needs. And so the Lord enumerated them out to me. You can tell. Go ahead. Are you sure? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, the Lord said, first of all, he needs a playmate. And I, I'm not talking about necessarily a, you know, a bunny. You know, I knew she was going to do that. That's why I just told her don't do it. <laughs> Although I'm sure he needed that too. <laughs> but what we do is very serious. We have not only our own crises of life in our family and in ourselves, amongst ourselves, with, you know, but we, we walk everyone else through their crises. And so what we do can be very intense and it can be very emotionally draining. And he needed somebody to make him laugh. He needed somebody to make him have fun. Dude never took a day off. He never took a vacation. I did too. I took Saturday mornings off. You. <laughs> he worked from 3 till 3 the next morning studying, getting ready for Sunday, okay? And he considered it a day off because he didn't start till 3 p.m. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, 
So the man would never have any fun at all in whole of That's life without truth. me. That's um, so true. I had to help him have fun in it because to, to balance it out so that he didn't burn out, so that we didn't, you understand? So that I, I, I would put on one woman's shows, you know, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you know, honestly, uh, I know y'all don't hardly know that side of me, but uh, I can Jeez. be really funny. I can, I, yeah, I can put on one woman's shows and, and uh, you know, I, I make him laugh and I make destiny laugh uh, when she was little and, you know, uh, I plan vacations and I make him take a day off and all of that has contributed to the longevity that he's still here and still sane and still able to do. Uh, but I had to figure out what he needed and the Lord said he needs a playmate. He needs somebody to laugh with and play with and have fun with. Um, and so I said, I can do that and that I can do. Uh, the second thing was he needed somebody to shoulder, help him shoulder the load of the ministry. He needed somebody to get in here and start pushing and helping and not pushing him, but, you know, you know, like a, a, a millstone or something, you know, uh, move it. You got to move this thing forward. Anyway, so uh, I set about to do that. I, I came in and I tried to help him shoulder the load of the ministry. The third was he needed somebody to uh, help build up his self-esteem. Because the Lord told me he had people around him who on purpose for their own agenda had intentionally torn down his self-esteem to work their own agenda. And so I called him and I said, this is what the Lord said to me. I didn't hardly, I didn't know him very well. I was like, this is what the Lord said to me. Is that true? And he's like, oh, girl, that is true. All three of them. Um, and you know what? So I set about to do that. I mean, I would wake him up every morning by stroking his face. You don't and, do that anymore. No, I don't. <laughs> it's been many a year, actually. <laughs> but I, for the first year and a half or so, I'd wake him up every morning by stroking his face and telling him what a good man he is and how Aww, grateful I am to have him in my life. And uh, honestly, what am I doing? I'm doing what the Lord asked me to do based on what he told me he needed. Uh, he needed to know who he really was. And he, he is who he is because I helped him discover that where other people were trying to convince him he was something else so they could run roughshod over him. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I, I was able to help him see himself the way God sees himself as the strong man of God that he is. Um, and, and I've spent a, a, a long time helping to do that. So, how do, so this is not just about us. We're giving you our life example. You can do the same thing. And what you ought to do the same. Yes. You ought to ask the Lord. And if you don't want three, just give me one. Maybe you're in the middle of a, it's been a long haul and you're weary. Lord, just give me one. Just give me one thing that would help my spouse, that I can minister to them, that I can help them. Dwell with them according to knowledge. Um, it's like the house plant, you know. Um, this is the funny side of this is she did all that. And, a man, I was a dry old house plant. You know your house plant that you forgot? And first it wilts. And then what happens? The leaves get a little brown and crinkly, you know, on the edges. And, uh, and, 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 but you can save that house plant. How do you save that house plant? You water that thing and water that thing. You put it in the right sunlight and it comes up good. But the truth of the matter is, is what if, how do you do it? It's like you said, if, uh, if you keep water at the same amount that you did to bring it back to life. You may have to overcompensate for a while to bring it back to health. But if you keep overwatering it, then what happens? The leaves will turn yellow. And drown. The and, it'll drown. and they'll still die. Well, I'll be real honest about one of those about a little ways in. I'm like, you need to stop that one. <laughs> I'm good, all right? Now you're just annoying me. 
Because he was healthy and strong and didn't need me to overcompensate anymore. So, so, so life is so fluid. Marriage is so fluid. Um, different careers, different jobs happen, different stages in your children's lives, different stages in your life, different uh, levels in God. So you can't just go back and, and you can't live in the past. But, you know, from our past and from what the Lord's taught us, we can help you get to that good place. And, and listen, you know, if you're single in this room, you need to be listening to this stuff. And you need to pick and choose wisely and be very led of the Holy Ghost. Uh, marriage, even two perfect people who God joins together, it, there's some work to it. And so you got to be able to do the he work. He doesn't mean we're perfect people. He, I can hear somebody out there yelling. No, we don't think we're perfect. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You, you know, you're you. You know, but you're God good. supernaturally brought us together. But you, you're good. If you're single, you're good. You, you want someone good, and you're you're a good person. But even if you're both good and wonderful, maybe that's the better way to say it. Then still, when you get married, it's work. And so, two people who love Jesus, oh, just oh, no, you got to work at it. And so these are tools that you need that it's from the word that the Lord taught us. Um, one more quick thought. Um, I know I'm a little bit of a weird duck. Oh. Uh, but uh, after we married, about every six months, I would, I would call him in for a state of the marriage conference. Um, so I would say, okay, honey, how are you doing? Are you happy? Are you happy? Am I meeting your needs? Is there anything you need me to do differently? Is there, are, are, you know, what can I do to be a better blessing in your life? We started out doing them every six months, and it went to once a year-ish, and now we haven't had one in a very long time. Uh, and then finally, do you have time before you go to Chile? No. Maybe we need to talk about uh, some stuff. <laughs> finally, at, at one point, I was like, okay, just give me one thing to work on. <laughs> What's the top thing for this coming year that you need me to work on? Um, and we both did that. Yeah, we because we, we want together. to adapt to each other. We want each other to be happy. Listen, I'm stuck with him, and I don't mean that in a really bad way, but we're connected. We're hooked together. I'm going to be living with this man for the next 50 years until Jesus comes back. It's in my best interest that he's happy. Why would I nag him and harass him and talk down to him and convince him he's a worthless scum and I'm attached to him? If he's miserable, he's going to make me miserable. Do you understand? It's in your best interest to build him up and bring out the best in him and help him to see who they are in God and, and develop, you know, do that. And if you kabula bafala badika, mansila brevete, nandelikichika ang, dole brevete shadaboshe amanangrande. So all I require of you each separately is to do my will. I require you to ask of me, I require of you to study. I require of you to learn me, and I require of you to do the best uh, that I ask of you, being not concerned about what the other one will do, but if you will do what I ask you to do, I will supernaturally intervene on your behalf. The Holy Ghost is your best friend. The Holy Ghost is your best friend. Mark calls me Susie's safety because I am determined to keep my family safe. Um, I'm not sure exactly where that came from, but I'm a natural born protector. So I had on the weather radio one night because hmm. storms were coming. <laughs> and it kept going off every little bit, you know, <laughs> uh, something in another county, you know. <laughs> Finally, he's like, another state, I think. Turn it, <laughs> turn it off. I have to sleep. And I said, no, I had to keep my family safe. And uh, no, I, I want to know if something bad's coming. And he's like, 
turn it off. And I'm like, I ain't turning it off. So he got up and left. First time he's ever left our bed. The only time in almost 28 years. He went and got in the guest bed because I wouldn't turn off the... So it was really you know, kind of my fault. But, um, <laughs> but after he left the bed, I'm like, he's never left our bed before. And then I was like, I start boo-hooing. And the Lord woke him up and said, you made her cry. You get back in there. <laughs> that is the truth. The Holy Ghost is your best friend. When we were talking on the phone, I was still in Florida. And we, we, were hit dating, a snag. we were you were big I don't know what we were doing. We're, whatever we were doing. We beginning. were talking on the phone at the very beginning. And um, we hit a snag because generally speaking, I thought all men were scum. Nothing against any man in here because I didn't know any of you. Mm. Uh, but I had lots of bad experiences with men. And uh, so we hit a little snag on the phone and I thought, there it is. There's the jerk. Okay. Uh, and so uh, I'm, just, I'm, not ki- I'm not kidding. I was expecting the worst. And thank God after 20 years, I still haven't found the worst. But anyway, uh, so I, we got kind of annoyed with each other on the phone and we both hung up and And I went in the bedroom and I just went to bed and I I was asleep and the Holy Ghost woke me up. And he said, I need you to come over, come out and talk to me because I always go in the living room and knelt down by the couch. And he's like, I need you to come talk to me. And so I was like, okay. So I went out there and he said, now listen, pastor, and he didn't call him pastor. He said, Mark has asked me to tell you something, but you were asleep and not listening. So he said, "Uh, you can trust him, Rhonda. You can trust him. He asked the Lord to reassure me that he could trust me, that I could trust him. I said that backwards. You understand what I'm saying? The Lord needed to reassure me that I could trust him, that he wasn't a jerk, that he wasn't going to break my heart in a million pieces and stomp on it like other people had. Um, But it took the Lord telling me that for me to believe it. Um, and so, but the well, Lord helped th- him and then the Lord helped me later. And maybe you think, well, my husband or my wife's not listening. There's this man named Saul. He became Paul. And you'll later find out that he had relatives. And I believe those relatives prayed for him. And the people of Damascus prayed for him. Just don't give up. Um, do your part. The Holy Ghost will help you. Seriously I, pray. I really want to get to this okay, verse go, before go, we man, leave. Go, go. Because this is a good one. It is a good one. Come and on. I want to get to it. So um, so where did we leave off? I don't oh, know. Oh, 25. We got stuck on 25. We did that like first service. Yes. First time. Husbands, oh, love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church. That he might sanctify. I really wanted to get where to where Sarah called Abraham Lord. <laughs> Every now and then, just that, being funny, he'll throw that at me. That's scriptural, too. Sarah you know. called Abraham Lord. I said, well, good Lord is the closest you're ever going to get. I can give you one of those. Good Lord. <laughs> that's scriptural. All right. Anyway, um, husband loves your wives and Christ loved the church. He gave himself forth. Verse 26, that he might sanctify it, cleanse it with the washing of the water. We went over that. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such can thing. Can you put it in the Amplified Classic? Which one? All of it. Oh, okay. Because in order to get to the stuff you want to get to, it has to be in the Amplified okay, Classic. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Amp it up. You read it then. That he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such things that she might be holy and faultless. Verse 28. Even so, husbands should love their wives as being, in a sense, their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. We talked about that last week. And when you love your wife, she gives you that love right back to you. So in a sense, you're loving yourself. All right, verse 29. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and carefully protects and cherishes it as Christ does the church. Verse 30. Because we are members, parts of his body. 31. 31. 
For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined into his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. No? Amen. Okay. Uh, this mystery is very great, but I speak concerning the relation of Christ and the church. Verse 33. However, let each man of you, without exception, love his wife as being, in a sense, his very own self. And let the wife, this is his favorite scripture, and let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. Amen. Amen. But. But. The first part has to happen first. Without exception, love your wife, be in a sense his very own self. And that comes first in order to get the next part. And so, fellas, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. You don't have to love on your own. You don't have to wait till she's perfect. You don't have to wait till you know, you're looking for an apology, uh, any time, any of that. Um, just look to Jesus who lives on the inside of you and look at how he loves you and how he treats you, especially when you do something wrong. But it is on the men. It is on the husbands, and that's the way God designed it. Um, and it is supposed to be a picture. And the reason that there's so much wrong in the world today is because the devil has and will always attack marriage um, because it's supposed to be a picture. It's supposed to let the world see what our relationship to Jesus is. So they ought to be able to look in the world at a Christian marriage. And, you know, I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about everything being right. And, again, there's no condemnation. I'm going to throw this in here in case we don't. I don't want you to come up and uh, listen to me. If uh, adultery has been committed or you've been divorced or anything like that, um, listen to me. The Lord forgives and uh, he'll restore to you the years. But... Um, you got to make sure that, like, if you're in a marriage, I would say you fight for it, you believe for it, you do the best. If your marriage is good, you have to keep it up. It's like your car. <laughs> it needs to be maintained. you got to change the oil. you you got, you got to go away. you got to do things. Um, I'm going to put this plug in. Richard and Cheryl do our uh, marriage matters around here. We're going to kind of ramp it back up again. Um, we do where married couples go away uh, to restaurants. We're going to have childcare again. And then um, at least uh, three times a year, we're going to meet in the AIM building. I think this Valentine's coming up, the one in February this year, we're going to do it. And uh, then we'll have another all-together night where we do something fun. And then I'm going to have another couple in uh, come and teach on marriage again. Maybe we'll have Kenneth and Lynette in since they were so much fun. I'm talking about um, Estrada. Estrada, not Hagen. Oh, we might just shoot for big. Let's go big. Let's see if <laughs> Kenneth, Pastor Kenneth and Lynette will do it. Um, but, but we're going to do a lot of things. So anytime you see something like that, keep up with it. Try, try to do what you can um, to do those kind of things. Um, it's just important. You know, and I'm grateful. Um, we haven't taught in a long time. We usually wait and do this on, um, like, 
like we used to have marriage matters conferences where we went away for two or three days and we might do that again but with all this uh, property here and all the facility here it's just sometimes it's just easier to do it here for everybody um, but um, I'm grateful that Ephesians 5 verse 22 through there is in the word of God and I'm grateful that we're studying it because it just it's important um, marriage is important and uh, again no matter where you're at, no condemnation or what you're going through, God will see you through. Um, you just got to do it the word way. And my, my, uh, my exhortation to you is this. Uh, those of you who have a great marriage, keep working on it. Be an example. If you're older and you've had a great marriage, um, take a young couple out who's just been married. Um, or young couples, probably the other way would work better, you invite someone who's been married a long time, out for dinner, and you glean from them. Um, uh, you know, there's some good examples around here. Um, if your marriage is not as strong as you would like it or your spouse is not currently attending church or, uh, or, or even born again, you do your side. God just told you by the gifts of the Spirit, by the unction of the Holy Ghost, by tongues interpretation, that if you do your side, He will supernaturally intervene. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Um, and if you're at work on it, keep working on it. Keep working the word. And I believe with all my heart that the Lord in these last days is raising up an army of women who know who they are, but more importantly, who knows whose they are. Uh, and that's part of what I'm doing with this Women in Ministry Conference. But I'm also always mindful that my first ministry is my husband. My second ministry is my daughter before all. And I want to help women to realize and make sure they still have everything in order, even though God intends to use them mightily in this last day. Uh, but they still have to keep things in order. Um, you know, he's my greatest ministry. And only God knows the sacrifice that he's asked me to travel some without him. We've never done this in the history of our marriage. Um, he's traveled some without me, but I've never traveled some without him. Um, as a matter of fact, the first time I had to leave him, uh, it was only for 48 hours, but I cried so hard in the airport. They, I, I honestly. It was back in the day where you could walk back to the gate. So he walked me all the I, way to the Birmingham, gate. In Birmingham, Alabama, I walked her all the way back to the gate. She's bawling, like hanging on to me. When she and got on the plane. Crying. And when she got on the wait, plane. Wait, wait, wait. He's not crying. So I think they thought he was sending me away. They looked at me like, <laughs> dude, what are you doing? You've broken this woman's heart. I mean, I had to get out of there. I had mostly composed myself by the time I got on the plane, and I was like, <sighs> you know. <sighs> and the pilot came back, and he said, are you okay? Can we get you anything? <laughs> I didn't have the courage to tell him I was just leaving him for 48 hours. So <laughs> that's the absolute gospel truth. So I hate, only God knows how bad I hate, I hate this, but um, I also have to be obedient to what the Lord has asked me to do. Um, and so... So let's pray for their marriages. Pray. Yeah. Father, we thank you for the words that we've been given. You've given us over the last three Wednesdays. I pray for every marriage of this church, those that are here, those who are not here. Father, I thank you for continued revelation, understanding, and insight. I pray that the word of God will go yes. deep into them. It will be seed and it will produce some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. I pray especially, Father, for those who are troubled right now. Um, I, I, I pray, Holy Ghost, that you will give them that one thing, that you'll help them dwell with their spouse according to knowledge, that you'll, you'll insert something in their heart, even tonight, that will cause things to get better. And, Lord, 
I know you will keep your promise to them. You'll keep your word to them. And as, the, if the, as they do their part, you're going to supernaturally intervene. Thank you for that tongue and interpretation. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for, for speaking to us tonight. And so I pray even for the single ones in this room. I pray, Father, that uh, as they run their course, as they run their path, the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And in their path, their spouse, the one uh, that will be best with them, that one that will be able to run together and they'll, and they'll be able to do whatever you ask them to do together. We ask you for it in the name of Jesus. So, so Father, we call everyone in this room blessed. And we thank you, Father. You're, we are blessed coming in and blessed going out. And I bless every marriage Yes, in Jesus' name. Of every marriage at Cornerstone World of Life Church, I thank you for them. Have them to increase and prosper. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen.